Hello, and welcome to our very first Industry Insider podcast. I'm Tim Schulberger, founder, director, and host of LiveRead LA, which is where this podcast is coming from. If you clicked on this thing, then you have a rough idea of what we're doing, but just in case your finger slipped accidentally, let me briefly explain. You're about to hear a Q&A conducted in front of a live audience in a Los Angeles theater between me and Pamela Goldstein, an awesome literary agent from the Verve Agency. They represent all sorts of big names in the writing game. Pamela came to a recent Live Read LA event. She was our designated industry insider. Every six weeks, we hold readings. Amazing professional actors read up to 30 pages of two scripts we select from those entered. We get someone working in the industry to show up, and after each script, the insider, me, and even the audience give feedback to the writers whose work was just read. I hope that makes sense. The point is, we're a community dedicated to supporting writers and giving them a creative safe space. I'm a writer, have been for far too long. One thing I've learned, rewriting is the devil. It sucks. Anyone who tells you it's fun is lying or high. Probably lying. So, at Live Read LA, we like to help with the rewrite, which is why we give the feedback to the scripts presented. One last thing before we get to Pamela. Keep an ear out for the bit where she talks about how many scripts she has to read each weekend. I'll pop back in at the end to wrap things up, but right now, may I present Pamela Goldstein from the Verve Agency. So thank you so much. Thank you. Are you having a good time? Yes, this okay. is a lot of fun. Yeah, you have to say that because you're up here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I really think it is. <laughs> so we, we do a little Q&A and then we'll throw it over some questions. Okay. I'm curious how you become an agent. What's your story? Sure. Um, my story, you know, most, I think everybody in this industry has a different path to where they've gotten to where they are. Um, and the interesting thing, I think, for me is that I actually didn't want to be an agent. Um, I didn't start out with this being the goal, although I love it and I've been doing it for many years. Um, I initially um, wanted to be either a writer or producer myself. Um, my dream was to go to NYU film school because I'm from New Jersey and living in the city and being a Tisch student was the dream since I was in sixth grade and I went there and was on that path for a long time. Um, and uh, while I was in college, started interning um, for uh, Harvey and Bob Weinstein at Miramax. Holy cow. Uh, which was also a dream. Um, That's a whole different Q&A. Okay. That is. Yeah. Um, I was there from 02 to 05. I was there when Chicago was in post-production. Uh, then that year, one Best Picture. Uh, three years later, they split from Disney, became the Weinstein Company. It's really you know interesting time to have been kind of uh, the eyes and ears in that building because I was an intern and then a temp assistant. Um, and um, I really fell in love with kind of the creative side and getting a sense of the, the business from that angle. Um, and um, when I moved out to LA a few years after college, I took a job working in an agency, which uh, many people will tell you is a great way to network and build uh, kind of connections and see how the industry operates from all different angles. Uh, and I found my way into this side of the business actually through the independent film department. Um, the packaging department at, I was at William Morris, became WME. Um, and that felt a lot like using the, you know, the producing skill set that I had when I was in New York and in 
college there um, and being able to work with writers and directors and play with different elements and try and find financing and put something together but do it from a platform um, and uh, I think not dissimilar to the characters that we just saw you know the, the agency side of the business can be really competitive um, and so for people who are competitive and type A, it really feels uh, kind of fed into my personality traits. Um, you like to win. I like to win. Um, I like to win, but I also found like a real love for being able to champion people who I believe in and um, help be part of that process in terms of seeing things get made. And that was really exciting. So that's really honestly the way I fell into becoming an agent is I fell in love with that side of the business. So um, this is going to sound stupid, but uh, well, it may. Um, you need somewhat of a thick skin, right? Yes. To be an agent. I mean, I would say you need thick skin in all sides of this business. Well, yeah. Yeah, um, as but Carrie, just discovered. Yeah. I think it is important to be determined because as an agent, I hear no just as much as anybody. Um, and we talk a lot about uh, the power of belief at my company and believing in the talent of the people that we work with. And uh, it makes the no's feel that much you know, easier to get over because fine, if that person says no to me, then I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find a way to, to get a yes. So um, I think that in that regard, you do have to have a thick skin because you have to kind of keep going always. Yeah, and so um, I know that everybody's asking the question because every writer in the room who's unrepresented right now wants to know how they get represented. So I'll ask that question. How is it shifting? I mean, you've been in it for a little while. Is it is the, that process sort of has it has it's been or where? Are we um. At? So I think generally, and this probably won't be a surprise to anybody. Um, the most common way that people find representation is through relationships. So um, I find potential clients through the people that I speak with daily, whether that's film executives, managers, um, producers. Uh, someone will say, I read a great script, you have to check it out. And that's generally you know, the type of material that gets pushed to the top of my pile. Uh, sometimes it's clients refer other clients. That's also uh, a way that, that we kind of are exposed to new talent. Um, so are, you, are you always looking? Are you always looking for new talent? Or are there yeah. times where you're like, I'm shutting, putting well, the shutters down? Always. If somebody tells me they've read something great uh, and I have to read it, I will read it um, or watch it or whatever it may be. Um, I think that's the one great thing about this business is, um, is that when you have something to share and someone else is really excited about it or I'm really excited about it, like everyone wants to read or watch something great. I'm assuming we all love good stories and that's why we do this. And so, absolutely. I mean, I um, there are certainly times where I might not be actively like going out to the community saying I'm looking for more clients, um, but I'll never say no if somebody is telling me undeniably I have to check something out. Right. Yeah. And, their, and, their, and their opinion is important. Yes. Is, yes. So how many clients would you have on a given calendar? Is it, it's a it's a, an interesting question. I mean, my company, I'm at Verve, uh, the way that we operate, uh, and this is very important to the fabric of the agency, is that a client of the company is a client of everybody. So I personally look after, I'd say, Probably my list is my 
mindless. It's a dirty word to say my verb. Uh, but people that I specifically point or look after is probably between like 25 around there, which is pretty modest. Uh, but the company has a few hundred clients, which is also pretty modest. That's my company. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we all know every person on that list. Wow. Yes. That's a lot to get your head around. So, um, but I used to work at WME, which right. has hundreds of agents and thousands of clients, and that's much different. And any right. given agent could have, you know, anywhere from fifty to one hundred to two hundred people on their list. So, wow. Um, the um, one thing that you can dispel for me, this is just me personally. It feels like because we had Kate Adams here mm-hmm. uh, a couple months ago, who, by the way recommended you somebody so. who falls in that category if Kate were to call me and say she read a great script I would read it right away yes yes as would we all because she's, <laughs> she's very smart she is she just is uh, the um, uh, she was talking about how like there there are on occasion they will green light a film for 150 million dollars and then bring in a writer to fix the dialogue yes uh, it seems to me for those of us peering, <clears throat> much like the zombies outside the wall trying to get in um, that the um, <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, t- tell me I'm wrong. That that's not accurate. Uh, the um, it feels like the benchmark for a script for an unknown writer is higher than the benchmark for a script for a writer who has already made it through the gap. Yes, I would say so. So, so what is the benchmark for a writer trying to get in? If you're if Kate's going to hire a dialogue writer and you're sitting outside the gate saying my dialogue's kick-ass. I'm not going to get to Kate until I've written, what, a more complete piece? Yeah, I would say, well, in that case specifically, if they're greenlit a $150 million movie and they're looking for someone to do a dialogue pass, they're going to go to somebody who's established to come in and put at that level. But I would say for a writer to break into the system, uh, we've seen more and more that it just takes a signature piece and that could be a great pilot it could be a great play it could be a great uh spec feature screenplay um but something that is unique and different and is like hollywood noise like noisy um but really it's something that just what does that mean it means that it's it's a script that stands apart from the rest because of some quality of the voice and there's no other really way to describe that i would say is that you know when you read i mean like a Tarantino, a Tarantino script, or seen Tarantino, like he has a voice. Like Wes Anderson has a voice, and um, there's the blacklist that comes out every year. I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Um, there are a lot of scripts on there that you know whether they have beautiful magical realism, and a lot of them are scripts that may not um, get made in the system because Hollywood is making you know remakes of uh, leaning into IP and books and and whatnot. Yes. But you. A script that showcases the uniqueness of the individual, the writer, where someone can read it and say, I understand who the person is that wrote this because their dialogue is just so witty and fresh and different. It made me laugh out loud or the screenplay brought me to tears and it made me cry or it horrified me or kept me on the edge of my seat. Whatever it is, um, that will open up doors because executives like Kate will read that and say, wow, like this person has a unique point of view and a, and a quality that then can be applied to this book that I'm looking for somebody to adapt or this article that I need somebody to adapt or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Um, is it, and what is the, um, what's it like out there now for the, I mean, spec scripts I keep hearing, spec features aren't really selling 
Yeah. So what is, where, where are your writers earning their money? TV. TV. <laughs> TV definitely um, is a great, there's there's just so much, many opportunities, like there's so many buyers, um, and so many homes for content because the digital spaces as well just opened up um, opportunity. Uh, the Hollywood studio system uh, it feels a little bit like it's condensing and shrinking and I think that everyone's feeling that the executives feel it the agencies feel it um, a lot of people point to the first writer strike well, the 2008 writer strike right. as uh, a reason for that being um, so you know uh, Warner Brothers by any other example they might have less open writing assignments that we call it um, available to pitch on uh, now than they used to maybe, but. Um, but it's still, there's still hard. Yes, oh absolutely. And I think that it really just, when the advice that I would give to a writer is that when you go to tell a story, you just really think about like the story that you want to tell and how you want to tell it and don't worry about, is this going to sell or can I sell this? Because chasing a target that no one knows what the target is is never going to get you anywhere. We do hear a lot about, you know, read all the trades, follow what they're buying, give them what they want, uh, which I've never really subscribed to, but thank you for backing me up. So. Yeah, I, I think that we, you know, I've personally seen the most success and, uh, you know, the most excitement from, from original material. But <clears throat> that sometimes a Tarantino is used because he's someone who broke the three-act structure. Right. And so I know writers who are very passionate about their particular script, especially if it's early on in their screenwriting career, mm -hmm. you know, it's just not, I mean, in terms of the number of scripts you've written, will say, well, mine doesn't conform to the system, but neither did Tarantino's and he made it. Yeah, there's, I would say when I talk about the voice, I really am speaking more about um, character and dialogue right. than I am about structure. So you're a proponent of structure. I, I am, yeah. yeah, I am, because I think anyone, you know, again, the, the when you think about the audience, you know, for me, the audience is the the, the buyers, um, the financiers, and the executives, and um, what they respond to most is character and dialogue. Um, if you were to send them something that structurally is, is different, um, then they might be wary of can this writer, you know, conform to the structure that we want in the project, the content that we're making. Right. Um, and just quickly, and then we'll turn it over for a couple of minutes. I know I'm running late. Um, how how uh, nowadays? Um, what is a good way for a writer to attract attention to get onto your desk or onto Kate's desk or something? Is it winning competitions? Is it picketing outside your office? Is it <laughs> not stalking you at home? But I mean, what what else? Is I there? do think it is. I do think it is helpful. Anything you can do to make your script stand as part. So whether it's submitting it to the blacklist, submitting it to the Nichols, submitting it to those festivals, it is definitely helpful. If because those those festivals act as a filter in a way um, to then you know highlight your project and add that distinctness like you've kind of been pointed to as right. the winner of something which means somebody thought it was good um, which from where I know you know agents and managers and just everybody sits like we are constantly inundated with material and you have to think about the person that you're asking to read your screenplay I do most of my writing on nights and weekends because during the day I'm in meetings and I'm answering emails and I'm, I'm answering a lot of phone calls uh, and pitching clients and so for me to read a screenplay is taking time out of my Saturday and time out of my Sunday and time away from my family and I think when you think of it that way um, 
you can understand why it's hard for someone to get through that amount of material. Right. Yeah. Um, just how many scripts do you have yet that you need to be read right now? A hundred. I have like a, a, a constant working list of, uh, I'd say immediately things that I have to read. It's at least, there's probably at least 50 things I could be reading right now. All right. Well, we'll get And going. I probably read six yesterday. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. On top of everything else that you do. Uh, questions for Pamela while she's here and live in the room. Yes, sir. So if I was trying to attract attention, like what carries more weight, a good feature or a good pilot? Either. Either. Yeah, the great thing I would say about today's market is that uh, probably more so TV, like using a pilot in the feature space is easier than using a feature for TV um, in terms of the executives. but. Good material now is good material. So when I when I first started in the agency world in 2008, um, it wasn't like that. Well, you picked up time. Yeah, yeah um, you couldn't feature executives that you know wouldn't read a pilot script <coughs> as a sample. They and they wanted to read a feature sample. But now, if you write a great pilot, I mean, we've gotten feature work for clients and animation work for clients off of a half hour pilot. If it's a comedy and it's a hilarious half hour pilot that really showcases like amazing dialogue, we've had a couple clients that have gotten amazing traction out of half hour pilots. So, so whatever is just making They just stand out, yeah. Chris? Uh, being the focus of having strong character and strong dialogue, would a, um, would a good sample include a, uh, a stage play? Yeah. Would that be even yes. considered within the spectrum? Not like produce my play, but this is how I write. As, yeah, there's know. a there's definitely a few. Um, we represent a few playwrights, a few people that we signed off of plays. I think they translate a little bit more to the TV space, uh, being that TV so dialogue. So chatty. And, yeah, heavy, but if you write a great play. It, it would work as a sample. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier that uh, placing in a contest can help get attention. Can you be specific on what contest or, I mean... Well, this one, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do some carry more than others, you know, like... I mean, yeah, there's the, well, there's Austin. Also, yeah, I was going to say, actually, Big Austin Ray. was on the tip of my tongue. Austin yeah. is one, yeah. I think, is... Nichols. Austin. Nichols, Austin, yeah. I don't... Yeah. I'd have to think about what the other ones are. I've, I've entered and done well in all of them, so I can tell you. Uh, Page is a pretty good one. Yeah. 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 Um, Biographic Sloan break. can be interesting, like the Sloan Foundation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Screencraft is sort of up and coming. They're, mm -hmm. they're pretty good. Um, there are lists if you Google. There's like the top 10. There's well, like yeah, a final I mean, draft one, the big I mean, one. I won one and didn't get a call, so that's why I was <laughs> right. Not, not that that's one. Right. Not that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, won, I won one once from something in Florida I didn't even remember I entered, and they sent me money. And I was like, I, oh, they, yeah. they, they said, you, you've won 500 bucks. And I was like, is this a scam? <laughs> and uh, it was like, no, no, you won. And I was yeah. like, great. Now they're going to do a whole lot for me because it's going to be prestige for them. You know, that have a winner, they're going to want to get a winner signed and all that. But no, they just wanted the... It was... Yeah, it was final draft. Final draft? Yeah. Oh, congratulations. So, well, then clearly that's well, I, it. Was, like I said, it held crickets. So. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but I mean, it's better than not winning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it was you a know. good party. Yeah, I mean, and it's something, it's something. I mean, it's, it may not work every time. It's not a perfect science. 
Right. Yeah, because I would say, you know, it's also, uh, it's, I, I mean, when I was younger, I used to maybe go onto those websites more. Now it's more about people flagging for me. Right. Um, but right. combination. Do you have people who search the blacklist website for material? Like interns or whatever? Yeah, yeah, we do. We, I mean, honestly, like, it's the great thing and the curse, I think, also is that a great script can be anywhere. Um, so it's this idea that the next thing you read can be the best thing ever. Um, so definitely, um, you know, my assistant is training to be an agent. He's fantastic. And yes. I would rely on him to do exactly that. You know, I would expect that he is looking at all of those websites and looking at the awards and also constantly reading and trying to find something great. Um, so. Yes. That's why they always have your nice city assistants, right? Yeah. Um, okay, we have I think, one more. Yes. Uh, this is just a decision out of curiosity, but do you represent any hyphenates, like writer directors, writer actors, or is it like strictly? Yes, the answer is yes. Um, Verve is a company that represents primarily um, writers, directors, producers. We don't have a talent division, so um, it depends on the client, but absolutely interested in you know, writer performers, comedians. A lot. I feel like in the comedy space, that's very common. We represent people who are hosts as well. No one's one thing anymore. Any, <laughs> any one, last one? Uh, I'll take, I'll, I see two hands, so I'll take both of them if you're quick. Sit down the front. Sure, uh, thanks. Um, so for those who are just getting started out trying to form connections, trying to read as much as we possibly can, obviously doing something like interning at an agency or um, getting a coverage kind of job, do you have any advice on, I mean, even that is super competitive. Like, forget writing. Um, just getting an internship is super competitive. So do you have any advice on what we can do to do that kind of thing? To get internships? Sure. So, yeah. I mean, I would say doing what you're doing by attending these kinds of events and uh, networking and building a community is a great way. Just keep doing that and be vocal about what your goals are because um, I would say leaning into those connections. If you meet somebody here who may know somebody who's an assistant somewhere, I mean, the way you're going to find out about those opportunities will primarily be through somebody. So it's a little bit of a vague answer, but it's really the, the one that I, I think is the truth. Um, it just is so much about putting yourself out there and meeting people and building those contacts. And so good job for coming. Meet someone before you go home. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And Jack, at the back, the last one. We had an online question. Oh. From Anthony. It's not a question, it's a comment. It's for the last script. It came in kind of late. Oh, Anthony. Okay. Yep. He said, uh, thank so you, Anthony. He said, the decimal part started too late for me. He wanted to see it played out, failing on purpose sooner. And then the more important comment that he left was uh, the shoe game for everyone on stage right now is really on point. Yes, thank you, Anthony. Yeah. Um, I just have one final thing yeah. before we thank you. The um, attitude for writers. Writers are a, uh, I mean, apart from present company because we all got out and got out of our pajamas today, um, are a, a fairly self-deprecating, self-loathing sort of lot. But then every now and again you find writers, I'm, I'm noticing now, and because I'm reading a lot more scripts doing this gig, that there are some who are like, this is the best thing ever. 
and you must read this because it's going to be it's going to win an Oscar. Where should a writer? I mean, what's the, the sweet spot? Do you know what I mean? Because you don't want to be handing a script to someone saying, this is shit, tell me what you think. Right. And nor do you say, this is going to win the next best film. So what's, what advice do you have for writers in terms of how they present themselves? Should they have an opportunity to talk to you? Um, That's an interesting question. I think it's important to be confident, obviously, to be confident in your voice and in your writing, um, but to be amenable to feedback and to criticism. Um, and... Uh, you know, say that this, you know, when you're submitting something to somebody, it's because you feel that it is ready and worthy of their time uh, and you feel like there's really something special here. Um, I would respond to that. Um, I also think that if there's a way that you can define yourself um, in in terms of contextualizing a read, maybe, uh, is always helpful too, in terms of like the world or the tone or what it is that you're going to be looking at. So, Okay, cool. I don't know. All right. But yeah, you don't want to over-promise, for sure. Right, or yeah. under-promise. Or under-promise, yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, Pamela, thank you so much for coming. Thank I know you. it's time to go. You've been listening to Pamela Goldstein, literary agent at the Verve Agency. See what I mean about Pamela being awesome? Feel free to share or comment or whatever. And join us next time. We have more insiders and they all have fascinating stories and really helpful insights for you as you climb this giant, ridiculous mountain. Our website is livereadla.com. Submit a script if you want and come join us for a reading. Thanks for listening. Hang in there. Now get back to work.